Welcome to When Fear Reigns. Today, Dr. Parlo and Pastor Ben discuss one of the biggest notions objectors have toward Christianity. The church is full of hypocrisy. Let's join in on their conversation. Welcome to When Fear Reigns. Here we are, episode 14, continuing our discussion about what Christians are, and especially as people kind of use the Christians and the way they've, they've acted or the way they've uh, interacted with Christians as a reason not to go to church. Today, uh, we're going to be talking about the idea of hypocrisy, and, and we want to talk about Christians are getting there. They're working on it, right? And, and to come to grips with that and understand that a little bit more, I'm here with Dr. John Parlow. He's going to be helping us understand this topic pretty well, I think, and I'm I'm hoping we'll get some traction on this, really understand it. But before we get there, John, what's a day in the life of John Parlow look like? I would say a day in the life of John Parlow is different like anybody's day is, but uh, part of my days never change. Uh, Lydia and I have a, uh, our youngest son is Seth. He's yeah. 25 years old, has um, uh, Down syndrome, but he's very high functioning. But the trouble is, and the difficulty sometimes is he also has some food allergies, but the most difficult issue is he has brittle juvenile diabetes since about seven or eight months old. Oh, wow. And so that's, that's an issue, which means he has an insulin pump mm-hmm. at this point. And he now has a new insulin pump that requires us to, uh, is called calibrate or to bolus him, uh, give him insulin shots or to notice that his insulin has stopped, uh, being administered because he's going too low or he's trending low. So that means, uh, I'll go to bed every night around nine or 10. My wife is a late person, so she'll go to bed like <laughs> 11 to 12 and I'm already sleeping, but both of us will generally get up between three or two thirty and three thirty, four out of seven nights or five out of seven nights when all of a sudden Seth's uh, pump will alarm and we have to go do a number of things, either calibrate, retest his blood sugars, uh, make some uh, basal rate adjustments on his mini med pump. So a, a number of things like that. Then go to bed, then wake up at six, then make sure that he, we check his pump and make sure that we count his carbs for his breakfast. At that time, he'll administer his bolus, his insulin, after which we'll make sure that everything is set and that we'll count his carbs up for his lunch and make sure he records that. So when he goes off to lunch at work or at a place called a Spiro where he hangs out with friends, he's able to know what he's supposed to give himself. And then we'll make sure the insulin uh, reservoir has enough insulin and a number of things. And then throughout the day, he will continue to test himself. Then Lydia and I will go to work at St. Mark Ministries, and you know as well as I do, who knows what the day is going to bring. And then you come back, and by the time you get back home, uh, there are things that we do for him that uh, have to be done, and and that's just 24-7. And then we expect, I go to bed at 9, expecting to get up again at 2.30 to 3.30. (laughs) I just wish the pump would work all the time. And, And the problem is the pump is a really good tool. It's a wonderful instrument, but the problem is, is when you have a, a, a young person with brittle juvenile diabetes, it's all over the place. They can be hmm. one, you know, they can be, I would say, you know, 140 in their blood sugar. And then for no reason known to you or me, dive down to the 60s or 50s. Now, the great thing about this this insulin pump is that it has a safety feature that he can't go too low and go into a coma. Because okay. before we had this particular pump, he could. And so occasionally we'd wake up in the middle of the night and realize he's kind of flailing around and that's just before he goes into a, a diabetic coma uh-huh. where he's in the mid-20s or a high 30s and thinking, you know, had Lydia and I both been uh, solid sleepers, our son probably would have 
awakened in heaven with Jesus. So uh, for that, I'm very thankful for this pump. But that's kind of my, that's my normal day, so to speak. <laughs> so really good, solid eight hours of sleep. is, is That doesn't happen not. very often at all. Nope. And you would think, though, at this time with kids that are 30, 27, 25, that works really well. Yeah. Uh, you know, not so much. Not so and much. so <laughs> when you talk about how Zeke might keep you up and everything, yeah. I mean, and, you, you know, no Anthony, Anthony you. talks about his daughter maybe keeping him up and like, yeah, okay. Wine away. Talk to me Wine in 20 away. years. Yeah, yeah. Talk to the hand. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that insight. Um, and it's uh, it's helpful, I think, as we talk about this idea of, you know, are, are Christians hypocritical that are on, on the way to realize that there's no one here. No one is claiming to be perfect. No one, once you kind of see the insights of somebody's life, man, there's a lot of, every one of us has struggles and challenges and different things that the Lord's put into our, our path that sure. help us to express and to kind of fall back. Yeah, I probably here. haven't always said, thank you, Lord, for the fact that you give me this son <laughs> with diabetes. What a blessing this must be and an opportunity to serve you. Do I believe that? Yes. Have I always acted in such a manner? No. <laughs> <laughs> and I think every Jesus follower has heard something to the effect um, from somebody who doesn't go to church that they don't go because the church is full of hypocrites. And that's what I want to get into today. But before we go there, it's good for us just to lay out. We talked about this quite a bit in episode 11. So you'll get a full conversation there if you go back and listen to that episode. But just real briefly, let's talk about what does it mean to be a Christian first before we talk about what it means to be a hypocritical Christian? Well, to be a Christian first is to face the fact that you're in need of rescue, that you aren't perfect, that although you know what Jesus has done for you and how his forgiveness has washed away your sin and gives you the motivation to try to be what he's called you and equipped you to be, that you sometimes fail. And that's why spiritual breathing is so important, where we confess our sins mm -hmm. and we receive that assurance of the forgiveness of sins from Jesus' gospel message uh, in written form and in the word and sacrament, in the sacrament of, of the Lord's Supper as well. That's the idea that when we talk about hypocrites, and this is kind of a, a mixed thing for me, I don't know of a Christian who doesn't say that he or she is perfect. I, I don't know of anybody who says, yeah, I'm perfect. I'm great. In fact, the reason we make such a big deal about forgiveness is we realize we're not. Yeah. And so we often say, like at St. Mark Ministries and, and others probably in their churches say the same thing. Listen, it's all right not to be all right in the sense of, yeah, we're all at different mile markers. We mess up. Sometimes you take two steps forward, one step back. Some days it feels like one step forward, 18 steps back. <laughs> and sometimes there's seasons of life like that. But, but that's the idea. If, if that makes me a hypocrite that I don't always get it right, then I guess I'm a hypocrite. Yeah. And it's that, that trust and that forgiveness. I mean, I love how you say that. The Christian is not perfect. The Christian knows Jesus is. And I desperately, as a Jesus follower, I need his perfection to become my own. Well, don't, we've said it before too. Um, hypocrisy, the opposite of hypocrisy is not perfection. I'll say it again. The opposite of hypocrisy is not perfection. The opposite of hypocrisy is spiritual authenticity. I realize I'm I'm not just broken, I'm damned. Mm -hmm. I'm in need of a rescuer, very simply put. You know, a lot of times you have people who aren't Jesus followers and they say, oh, I caught you swearing or I caught you, you drank way too much mm -hmm. the other night or mm -hmm. whatever. It's, hypocrisy is not catching a Christian doing something wrong. Hypocrisy, and we'll talk more about this, is when you claim that you're a Jesus follower, you're blatantly doing things that Jesus says don't do, and you act as though, well, that doesn't really matter, or you're unrepentant of that, then yeah, I mean, then you fall into the Pharisees as well in Jesus' yeah. day. And I wonder if that 
accusation of hypocrisy isn't rooted more deeply than just something I've observed. I wonder oftentimes if it's from a hurt that a person has received from the church. I think of the scandals like the Catholic priest abuse, uh, the the cover-up that followed after that, or uh, you know, sometimes you'll see churches that pick it outside of funerals or outside of a, a pride march or something like that. But there are more personal hurts too caused by Jesus followers, even pastors. How reasonable do you think it is, John, to point to one of those scandals or injuries as a reason to not join a church or not go to church? I, I don't think it's a reason not to go to church. I understand why they're doing that. Those are blatant. And yes, do they do harm to this movement that we call the church? Yeah. But it's not the reason to stop exploring or maybe check out the message of Christianity. It certainly is a hindrance. And the Bible talks about be careful of the way you work and you uh, live before outsiders, right? Don't cause there to be a stumbling block that prevents people from hearing the life-changing message of the gospel. But when it's all said and done, if people not always keeping their word or living their faith or living their morals or t- uh, keeping their promises kept you from things. You wouldn't do life. I mean, let's just walk through some things. None of us in this room would be married. Can you imagine mm-hmm. dating? Have you never dated a hypocrite? Yes, we've all <laughs> dated hypocrites. In fact, we've married them. Okay. And, and by God's and they grace, they us. married us. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, if, if hypocrisy didn't stop you from dating people, it doesn't stop you from working. Sometimes your boss doesn't keep her word. Mm-hmm. Sometimes your supervisor doesn't keep his word. Doesn't keep you from showing up at work going, yeah, you know why I don't come here? Filled with hypocrites. <laughs> okay, have a nice life. You're unemployed. Or how about going to school? Well, schools are full of hypocrites. Absolutely. <laughs> and so that doesn't keep us from doing that. Or here's a big one right now in our culture. It seems to always be the time. All right. Why are any of you listening to me voting? <laughs> Who votes? Yeah. Everyone's a hypocrite, it seems. I don't care which side of the aisle you are. It's like everyone's promising one thing, doing another. They, You go, well, what about this? Because when this person was in the White House or when this political party was representing the White House, then you said this was all right. Now that the opposite yeah, is, you say yeah. it's wrong now. I mean, hypocrisy is almost equated with politics a lot of times. I probably shouldn't say that. Or you don't – you wouldn't eat at a restaurant. You know, I'm a big yelper. But okay <laughs> – Hey, you're supposed to give me this great meal. Uh, you didn't really keep your promise. Or, you know, the service wasn't so I've never so gotten great. that quarter pounder that looks like that yeah, picture yeah. up there. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's because that's plastic for the most part. Or, you know, if you, you eat that steak and you're like, you know, that steak looks so much bigger yeah. in the picture yeah. in the menu. <laughs> or whatever it, it, it is. A hypocrisy doesn't stop us in any, any other area for the most part in our lives. I think it's kind of a sad excuse. Hmm. for the one that deals with our soul spiritually. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you got to call people out in that. Yeah, and certainly addressing with sympathy the the injury, because there are people who have been deeply hurt by a church or by a pastor or by a church member. Uh, but you don't, like you said, you don't, the, the messenger is not a reason to throw out the message. Right. I mean, it's it's often in the bigger picture, Alf, our, our failure of living the way Jesus lived has nothing to do with Jesus. That's true. Yep. It doesn't make him more or less reliable or more or less true. Correct. More or less our savior. Correct. Uh, Just because I haven't lived that way. There are some quick answers that I've heard from Christians 
uh, when when faced with a challenge of, oh, I'm not going to church because there are, are it's full of hypocrites. Kind of some glib remarks, uh, you know. Yeah, but there's and there's always room for one more. I don't know that that's the best way to approach somebody who's raising this issue. What is? What's a realistic response? What kind of attitude? Should well, you I, I first around? of all have to confess here because I have used such a <laughs> glib remark and said, "Well, your butt will fit in the pew too," or "Welcome." <laughs> welcome. And we often say that in, in our sure. services. We say, hey, if you're new here, welcome to a people who are in process. Yeah. I think that's a much better way to put it than go, hey, we're all hypocrites. Welcome. <laughs> Have a seat. You're one too. That probably doesn't You'll fit over. right so, in. You'll fit right in with the guy up front. Um, no, it's, I think, yeah, that's a glib response. And I think we have to be careful. Sometimes you just say that to people you know well. Sure. But it's probably not the one you want to use most often. I, I think, first of all, when people say that, you and I will simply simply ask or simply understand that's an opportunity mm-hmm. don't get defensive don't go on the attack like well what do you mean we're a bunch of hypocrites or whatever um understand it's an opportunity humbly recognize you're right we fall short and that's the big thing that's why we gather in this place because we have fallen short and yet there's someone who's rescued us and then as we talked about use those three questions we ask and answer yeah, all the yeah. time okay well help me with that what do you mean by that help me unpack what do you mean by hypocrite and maybe they mean well. Maybe it's it's something deeper. Maybe it's maybe it's really the true hip, hypocrite where you say this and you say it's wrong, but you live as though it isn't. Mm-hmm. As opposed to you say it's wrong and you struggle against it, and once in a while you fall into it. It's one thing to struggle against sin. I call that the Christian life on mm-hmm. this earth, mm-hmm. on the, this side of eternity. It's another thing to identify sin and not care about it, not call it sin, or not even identify it as sin. Obviously, mm-hmm. then that's a sign of a dwindling faith or no faith. At all. I think that's important to note as well. You know, if you want to talk about real hypocrisy, go check out what Jesus said in Matthew 22 and 23. He talks to people who knew better, mm-hmm. who really didn't call sin a sin all the time, or certainly didn't believe their actions were sinful, even though they were clearly sinful yeah. when yeah. compared to God's word. They just didn't want to do that. And I guess that's all the more importance when you sit through people, and you say, okay, what do you mean by that? How did you arrive at that conclusion? And maybe they'll give you a story. Yeah. And you learn yeah. a little about that person. You know how to better come alongside that person, whatever mile marker that person is at faith and go, okay, I get that. Mm-hmm. I mean, the biggest thing I've learned over the years is shut up and just listen. <laughs> Ask a question because questions, as we've talked about before, build uh, the ability and, and, and build some bridges over which you can share the gospel at the right time. But also when I hear someone's story, it's much more difficult for me to consider that person an enemy mm-hmm. that I feel attacked by rather than I now see this person as oh, someone's hurting and I got a chance to share and I get to learn a little something and maybe something that I've been doing wrong I didn't know about. Mm-hmm. And then finally you say, well, have you ever considered? And then you can share your message about the gospel and also um, what, what you believe. But I think it's, I, I would share the importance of forgiveness again, that you're right. You're right. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and to let them know it's it, hypocrisy is a sin. Mm-hmm. It is just like stealing is just like anything else is. But that forgiveness was one for us on the cross. And then talk about the importance of the Holy Spirit enabling us to do the things that we can't by nature do, mm-hmm. whether it's pray, whether it's be a Jesus follower, whether it's to reach out to people, whether it's just to listen carefully to the person who's now speaking to us. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder, you know, in that last question, you know, where you kind of say, have you ever considered, um, I, I heard this once, I don't know who came up with it, but it's not me, uh, talking about where would you expect to find yeah. sick people? Yeah. Uh, you would expect to find them at a hospital. But does that mean that when you're sick, you're going to say, no, I'm not going to a hospital because it's full of sick people? No, that's where you need to be. 
right? Um, and and again, you can't use this illustration in a glib way or some kind of shorthand, but sure. a recognition of where do you expect to find sinful people? Maybe even the worst of the sinners well, in, in a church. And I just, that's when people say, well, um, John, in, in your congregation that you serve, do you, do you have uh, people who are struggling with homosexuality? Yeah. Do people struggle with alcoholism? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about porn? Um, yeah, I have males in the congregation, yeah, yeah. right? Um, do you have people who are struggling with anger issues? Do you have people who struggle with gossip? Mm-hmm. Do you have people who struggle with all the things that the scriptures talk about? Yeah, I do. Well, does that ever bother you? No, that's where I want them. When people say, <laughs> I don't know, you know, my life is just trash and I I really have a bad past. I said, well, welcome. Yeah. Welcome. Because yeah. this is the place where you need to be. And I know that sometimes, yeah, I think you've said it yourself. It, we don't look at the church as a hospital for sin sick sinners. We do look at it as a hospital. We, you and I do, but yeah, people yeah. don't. Oh, I Some see. people look at it as a country club yeah, yeah. where I come and I have membership benefits to be hatched, matched, yeah. and dispatched, yeah. right? Baptized, married, and buried. So, uh, you know, it, it's, I don't want those kind of people in yeah. my congregation yeah. that I serve or I go to or I've been a member of for four generations. No, that's exactly where you yeah. want those people yeah, to I be. See. Yeah. That's exactly where I want them to be. So I, I think that it does work. I know that you can't, you know, every analogy limps, but... I, I do think that's the case. Yeah. I would expect that to be the case. Yeah. And you would hope that this would be a place where people would come when they feel broken, when they feel, um, you know, that sin has just ruined their lives. Uh, this is the triage unit, right? The, the sanctuary is the triage unit. It's the mass unit. Yeah. Yeah. Any any other thoughts on, on this idea? Of yeah. You know, this it? is, as you know, I've, I've gotten a chance to talk to a lot of people who are, some of whom are hostile toward Christianity, mm-hmm. some who are not really sure they're agnostic. And others who are, I would say, very liberal in their belief about the Bible and its inerrancy and infallibility. But, you know, if hypocrisy, let's just take a look at the atheist standpoint. If hypocrisy disproves Christianity, then it also disproves uh, atheism as well. You see, many atheists do not live in a way that's consistent with their view of reality. Hmm. Atheists borrow from theism all the time. And they live their life as if there really is meaning and purpose. And if you're an atheist and you have a naturalistic view of the world, there is no yeah, such thing ultimately as yeah. meaning and purpose, right? How about science? If if a scientist lies about his or her findings, does that undermine scientific evidence? Or does that just expose a single hypocrite? See, all of us are hypocrites in some way. It, it's part of our human condition. That's something we've talked about. Yeah. We are constantly, as I say to my sons, inconsistent. Some more than others. This is less about a respective belief system than it really is our own uh, sinful condition. I think um, uh, I, I won't hold an inconsistent behavior of some atheists against atheism as a whole. I often tell them that if they won't hold a consistent behavior among some Jesus followers against Christianity as a whole, now I have to ask them: Is that is that fair to hear? Um, isn't it more important to examine the evidence for our claim? than uh, just to undermine the critique and just of misbehavior. Or I think the thing I probably said the most, I think I wrote this a few times too, is, is why should we as Jesus followers be surprised when a Christian behaves poorly? <laughs> there are two reasons why people like to call us out on this, uh, uh, considered more hypocritical than non-Christians. First, our, our worldview, our worldview is public and it's objective rather than private and subjective. Non-Christians understand the standard Christians are trying to uh, persify, trying to, you know, yeah. b- bring into their life, period. 
It is publicly available. I mean, just read the Bible. That's what we're trying to live by. And it hasn't changed for more than 2,000 years. Christians, however, have no idea if an unbeliever, let's just say an atheist, is violating his or her moral standards because that unbeliever holds it privately as a matter of personal opinion. Mm -hmm. Think about that. Mm -hmm. We're saying this is a standard, and it's really easy to see if we don't meet the standard. For the non-Christian, they say, I just make it up as I go along. How am I ever to know that you're being hypocritical? Yeah. I can't. Secondly, the Christian standard is grounded in the perfect moral nature of God. Perfection. While atheists uh, can't, you know, they can meet their own personal standards because they keep making them or they keep changing them. Christians never achieve perfect moral standards at all. We know, in fact, in advance, we're going to fall short of the mark. That's mm-hmm. what forgiveness is so part. So given the, the high, uh, the objectively high, I would say, public standard, posited by Christianity, why would you ever be surprised to witness Christian hypocrisy? I wonder, why wouldn't you think Christians sometimes fail? And why would you hold this against Christianity rather than applaud Christianity for its high standard? Think about that. Mm. I often ask the person who says, well, you Christians are hypocrites. How do I know that you're not? Mm. Why? Because your standard continues to move. You can read my standard. It's in black and white. Mm-hmm. And it's impossibly high, is your point. Yeah. You can't ever, you can't ever do it. So ultimately, that's why the reality of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, that gives meaning and hope to life. And that free gift of faith that gives us forgiveness is for us. That's why the cross helps me with all my inconsistencies and all of our hypocrisy. And I think that's a great message to share with the skeptic when you say, you're right. I can't reach this perfect public standard, but Jesus has for me. And that's the difference between you and me. Mm-hmm. I confess there's a standard I can't reach. Very likely the standard that you're living by is like jello. It continues to move mm-hmm. whenever it's, well, convenient for you. Mm. Well, thanks for those insights, John. I think there's a lot to chew on there. Uh, thank you for listening, for tuning in today on When Fear Reigns. The truth of the matter is the objection of hypocrisy isn't wrong. And it doesn't fall on deaf ears. It's true that the church is full of hypocrites. That's what we've been talking about this entire time. I'm one of them. No Jesus follower needs to feel like they need to be perfect to live their faith or to talk about their faith. You get to be the one to point people to the person who is perfect, that Jesus that died on the cross, and show how amazing it is to have such a perfect God who loves you enough to to live his life for you. That humility and boldness is exactly what it looks like when fear reigns. Hopefully this conversation has helped open up room in your life for just that. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram and share the show with a friend. We look forward to seeing you next time on When Fear Reigns.